2: As promised, we're talking NBA hoops with my good buddy and one of the best in the business, Justin Turner, the co-host of NBA Today on SiriusXM XM NBA Radio, uh, with a true saint for dealing with Justin for three hours every day, five days a week, the one and only Eddie Johnson. Justin, good morning. How do you fare today?
0: Well, I gotta be honest with you. It's BS because when I first got into the industry, they said like relationships are what uh, helps you, you know, move up in your career and you got to build good relationships. You're one of the worst human beings I know. You're calling Nets games. You're hosting national radio shows. So. It just goes to show you that you can treat people horrifically and, and still move up the ladder
2: here in the industry. And you know what? I play the good guy well. Most people on the outside think I'm nice, especially in comparison to, to Tom, the producer. But I'm, you're right. I'm awful. I, am, I deserve nothing.
0: I 100 percent agree, but uh, congratulations on all
2: the success. Oh, thank you. Regardless, because I'm
0: a bad person too, so I like <laughs> to see you know I like to see good stuff happen to other bad people.
2: Uh, let's begin with Joel Embiid and B in the Sixers. Touched on this new injury earlier in the show. I I don't like to use the word soft. Maybe you'll use it here, but I just I don't know what to do anymore with a guy who's there's always something, and he's just getting older. And they're still so far from the finals. It feels like.
0: Yeah, about injury prone. I think that is fair. And listen, that's that impacts how good you are. You have to be out there on the floor. Like I don't necessarily think that we've had a lot of conversations on LeBron James. If I'm looking at the peak, uh, you know, a peak star, I don't think LeBron James has had one of the you know best two or three peak careers in NBA history. Part of his greatness is the longevity. If I'm looking at like a five year period, maybe Shaquille O'Neal in the early 2000s. Certainly Michael Jordan. You know, Larry Bird. Those guys can be at their apex better than LeBron James, but it's the health over a 20-year career. And with Joel Embiid, he doesn't have the health. I mean, Bill Walton was lucky enough to slip in his greatness prior to getting injured with the college career and then the MVP early on and then the championship uh, in 1977. Then he gets hurt. He's unable to reach that apex again. Joel Embiid was just unable to fit maybe uh, a bunch of stuff in prior to getting hurt. So that's part of what makes a player great. And if he can't be out there on the floor, then, you know, he can't be maybe one of the all time greats. He can't win a championship. He can't win multiple MVPs.
2: Maybe they're already there in your mind. Do the Sixers need to begin soon thinking about a complete facelift and moving him and starting from scratch? No,
0: I don't think he can give up on a talent like this. You just got to kind of hope that he finds himself and in- he's. And he's healthy because when he is healthy, I mean, he is probably right now the second or the third best player in the sport. I mean, I think it's Jokic. Then I think you can make the argument for him. Maybe you want to say Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luca. maybe if he had some, some teammates. He's the best player in the sport. So I don't think even if there's health questions, you can give up because if you strike it at the right time and he's healthy come April, May, and June, you got a legit shot of winning an NBA championship.
2: Now, I know you want guys to play as many regular season games as possible, but do you think this 65-game minimum that's very much in play with Embiid for MVP, does that actually address the situation?
0: I think it does look wise playing for the first time. Paul George is playing for the first time. Anthony Davis is playing for the first time. Those guys aren't missing games. Even though last night, he's been one of the healthier guys all season long. Uh And like, I don't need the 65 games to be honest. And I, and I do have a vote at least. I still hope that they give me a vote at the end of the season. I'm always fearful that they take that away. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't vote for Embiid. Like, let's say Embiid meets the threshold, okay, and he plays 64 games. If Jokic plays 78, if Shea Gildas-Alexander plays 78, guess what? Embiid's not going to be on my ballot uh, ahead of those guys. He might even be behind, behind like, a Jason Tatum, might be behind uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo as well years ago. Uh, so there's about 100 voters, right, at the end of the year. Yeah. A couple of years ago... Embiid finished second overall, uh, right, behind Jokic, but he didn't play a ton of games. I didn't even vote for Embiid. I was one of two voters. The other happened to be a guy that's on the station with me, and NBA Radio, host the morning show, Frank Isola. We were the only two people out of 100 media members not to even put Embiid in our top five. Because you got to play. Like 1978, I wouldn't have voted for Bill Walton. He, he missed 24 games. It's the most ever. Uh, I've I told George Gerben, who finished second, I would have voted for him if I was alive at the time and had a vote. Uh, you know, you got to play. MB last year missed the second most games ever for an MVP award winner. If he wins this year and meets the 65 game threshold and, and he wins, say he plays 68, 67, 66 games. That would be the second most, the, the third most games ever. Missed. Only the I-10 last year and Walton a couple. So you got to play, you know, 78 games of a slightly worse Jokic. If you even think he's worse, there's a lot more valuable than, you know, 65 games out of Joe Joel
2: What do you think? But can the NBA win this fight with load management and whatnot? Like, what do you see a way that the league and that their TV partners can get what they want and players will fully give in here and play as close to 82 as possible?
0: I mean, I think it's I think it's a lot better than it's been over the course of the last couple of years. There's been very few days where I've been disappointed. I mean, Nets got fined earlier this year, rightfully right so. I mean, they're a borderline postseason team, and they're resting guys. I thought that was baloney. Uh, so I'm glad the NBA struck them hard. Uh, like, so I think it's actually been a lot better, but. It's, it's more about like, uh, I just think the way that, you know, guys are maybe raised today. It's about society and it's in every industry where you see, uh, people that just don't take personal pride. Like, you know, I never missed a day of work up until, uh, this past year where I was struck down by COVID and they wouldn't let me in the arena, uh, to broadcast. So, uh, you know, like guys want to like fight through. Stop! In the past, they did it—1980s, 1990s, early 2000s. Now they don't. I don't think you can change the way that guys necessarily are raised or the way that society functions. I think it's more of a societal thing than just an NBA issue.
2: So, Justin and I—if you're new to to Termini, he, he and I are in the same general age area, like early 40s, unless I'm completely forgetting how old you are. Uh, we were talking the other day, and only half joking. Uh, Termini would fit in really well at like a retirement community. Like you're, you were born too late, right? You should be older. You'd be a good old man right now.
0: Well, I mean, I always say when people say, what generation am I? I always say greatest generation. And that's like three generations away from what I actually am. Like You're just serving World War II. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, no, but I also wouldn't fit in that area because I'm a coward. So, okay. Uh, like, so, like, I just have the same, like, mindset as those people. But obviously, if you put me like – uh you know, storming, uh, you know, the beaches of Normandy, I would have like swam in the opposite direction and probably ended up like dying from drowning or a shark or something. So right. I'm an absolute coward, but, uh, just my, like, you know, you put me back in like the 1950s with a milkshake and I would have been uh perfect, you know, I would have fit in perfectly <laughs> singing some, uh, you know, some drifters music or the righteous brothers, something like that.
2: Uh, that's why he's my favorite Justin Termini, serious XM NBA radio with us this morning here on Rider than you on CBS sports radio. Um, we don't need to get into the the inner workings of Doc Rivers taking the Bucks job, but now that he is the Bucks head coach, how much better should they be in your mind?
0: I mean, I think they'll be more organized just because Doc has experience. I think they'll respect him. Uh, I just don't think they have the personnel. I mean, the the defense is uh, you know is is just not good. Damian Lillard, Malik Beasley out there. Like you look at, for example, uh, you know. For years, Steph Curry was not a great defender. Now, I think Steph tried a little bit harder than Damian the Luthor doesn't even try. But next to him, you had Klay Thompson, who was an elite defender, so he covered up for his mistakes. You look at the Knicks, right? The Knicks have Jalen Brunson. They can hide Brunson because they've got a, you know, a guy like O.G. Ananove now, which helps you know put him on maybe a non-shooter. There's nobody that can do that on Milwaukee. Uh, they've got two really good defenders in Brooke Lopez, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but they're more like help defenders and rim protectors. Uh, they're not guys that can get out on the perimeter and guard you one on one. So I think they got some major flaws there uh, with the roster defensively. So I don't think Doc can fix anything like that. And let's be you know honest as well about Doc. I think he's an experienced coach, but he's not Red Arbach. He's not Phil Jackson. He's not, you know, Greg Popovich. He's not Pat Riley. Uh, You know, he's got some flaws. Uh, Is he maybe better in a postseason series than Joe Missoula, who they might have to end up facing? Yeah, I would give him the nod. But is he Nick Nurse? No. Uh, Is he Ty Lue if they somehow went to the NBA Finals? No. Is he Eric Spolstra? No. So, uh, you know, I think it helps, but I don't think it, uh, you know, it turns him from getting eliminated maybe in the second round to winning an NBA championship.
2: You just mentioned three teams that I wanted to get to with you here. Let me start where I'm sitting in New York with the Knicks. I know they don't know what Julius Randle's actual full prognosis is just yet, but let's assume Randall's back at some point, and he's basically back to being Julius Randle. How actually good are are the Knicks in the grand scheme of the Eastern Conference and the NBA?
0: Because, and this is unfortunate, but it's like, how much of it is, well, they try hard every single night, and not every team does that in the regular season. And then once everybody tries for once you get to the postseason, does that kind of even out the playing field? Because I feel that's the way that Don Thibodeau teams have been in the past. Uh, but I mean, I love this team. Uh, they played the right way. Jalen Brunson to me is, uh, uh, is, is a guy that's going to make certainly an all NBA team. He's had a better season than Willard. He should have been starting in the, in the all star game. Uh, you know, OG and defense, uh, you know, the, you know, Mitchell Robinson's another key. Do they get him back? I don't think they can get to the NBA finals. But is it out of the question to see them get to the conference finals, especially if they end up with a two or a three seed, which is possible? Uh, I think they could get that far. And then they've also created a team where, you know, now another star is not going to be afraid to go there and, and maybe say, I want to play with them because they're, they're probably one piece away.
2: The Miami here on the longest losing streak they've ever had under Eric Spolstra. Um, is there something different about this team that we shouldn't expect a normal postseason uptick from them? Or is this, again, just about killing time until they're at their peak in April and May?
0: Well, if it's about killing time, shame on them. And, I mean, what what does that say about your culture when you're killing time during the regular season? They're always bragging about, oh, we got a better culture than everybody else. I mean, right it's in on, on a jersey,
2: which I can't believe that they it's actually
0: wrote it on their, their jersey. It's on their floor. I ran to, my open yesterday was like, so they're getting their butt kicked at home by some pretty mediocre teams, by the way on a floor that's saying, we try harder than you, we, we're tougher than you, we're nastier than you. It's, it's humiliating. Uh, so it's like, we do things better than you. And then they're losing seven consecutive games. Uh, but, uh, you know, so that's a problem, like I think in the NBA, where if they do, again, go far in the postseason, like it's something the NBA has to look at is maybe giving a bigger advantage to the teams that try, like the Knicks and the Celtics, who are you know, selling the sport by going out there every night and taking it seriously. So, like, should they get maybe five or six home games in the first round against Miami if they meet up? Should they, you know, Boston or New York or some of these other teams that take the regular season seriously get to pick uh, their opponent in the first round so they don't have to face Miami? Like, there should be, if we're going to incentivize taking the regular season seriously, it shouldn't just be for players like with the awards. It should be for teams overall. Uh, Because I think that would be bad if Miami made another deep run. I thought it was horrible several years ago when Cleveland didn't take the regular season seriously and they beat the 73 win Golden State Warriors, and then everybody mocked the Warriors for like trying hard and said, oh, well, now they're tired. Uh, So, uh, you know, offensively, they're in apps. Uh, they were inept last year until they got the postseason. I think the difference here this year is they're also inept defensively. I mean, 143 to Boston, 100 to Phoenix the other day through three quarters, and then Phoenix could have scored 140, but they only scored 18 in the, in the fourth during garbage time. Uh, They're losing to the Atlanta Hawks. We can't beat anybody outside the Lakers. Uh, They're losing to the Grizzlies or a MASH unit. So, uh, yeah, I I think this team is not as good as the one we saw last year down in Miami. And I don't think they'll make a a deep postseason run this time around.
2: Last thing, with the trade deadline coming, will the Warriors make a substantial move with their roster at that deadline?
0: Uh, you know, it's difficult because it's like, all right, are we making a move based off what we need or are we concerned about feelings, right? Uh, you know, so that would, I guess, include Clay Thompson. They don't have any I guess, connection to Chris Paul, although maybe it's a bad look around the NBA if they send Chris Paul to a team that's got no shot of winning anything. And then Andrew Wiggins is the name that you hear the most. Well, Wiggins got a huge contract. Wiggins is sleepwalking through the season. Wiggins doesn't look like he cares. Uh, is there any team that's going to take him and you get value in return? So I'm not sure they have anything necessarily that you get value in return for, even if they do make a move. Like, all right, what's the best you can do? Maybe finish in the top ten and that's only if maybe Utah punts on the season and starts trading their guys because they're saying we're not playing for, you know, a 9 or a 10 spot. We're playing for the future. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that they're basically fried here either way you look at it, and I think they reset once they get to the off season.
2: All right, I'm going to be nice for a change, uh, and thank you very much for coming on this morning, and I am very happy for you that you are doing exactly what you should be doing. Not everybody can say that. You can. I'm very happy for you, bud.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you know, listen, it was destined to take place. I'm too talented, so uh, I appreciate you stating the obvious, but uh, it was uh, it was unnecessary. All
2: right, I love you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, farewell.